So we join in listening around the edges as we learn to see uh, what is going on. Just like that first century church, that group of believers, we will find again today that we're not that different. Just like that first church, we don't always get it right. So let's join the Corinthians to see what Paul has to teach us about living as Christians in the midst of the community of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is going to use a specific example to illustrate a larger point. Here's the example. Two people in the congregation have a conflict. They can't figure out how to solve it between themselves, so they go to court. We don't know what the issue is. All we know is that there's a dispute between two believers and the civil authorities were sought to settle the matter. Paul, again, the founding pastor of this community of believers, is frustrated, to say the least. Part of the conflict between Paul and the Corinthian church centered on their love of rhetoric and their pursuit of worldly wisdom. And now Paul is dealing with the situation that they would rather, rather than using that worldly wisdom to settle it within the confines of the church, the conflict has been outsourced. Paul is beside himself. First, they can't find a way to solve it within the community, and now these grumpy, disagreeable church members are going to fight in public, seeking worldly wisdom to settle their dispute. And second, and more importantly, Paul sees this as a symptom of a deeper issue. This for Paul, is a red flag that the church has, has missed a foundational point, that, that their vision is clouded. So Paul's going to use this specific example to draw our attention to a larger, more general principle. And that can be tricky, right? If you ever tried to do that, you're going to use an example and you hope somebody gets the broader purpose. Sometimes it's hard to make the leap between the specific and the general. Often we get stuck in the details and hung up on the specifics. And what can make this even more complicated is that there are people, people like me, who want to know the rule. Tell me the rule, because I can keep the rules. Rules are wonderful, right? They keep us safe. And, and you can be helpful if you know the rules, right? You can, you can point out when maybe other people are not following the rules. That's helpful, right? No? Rules are also helpful because, well, if you know the rules, then you can often find a way around the rules. So rules are quite Wonderful. But Paul is, is not creating a rule. Paul is using a specific example, a specific situation, to draw our attention to a general principle. 
to an eternal reality. So remember, two people in the church have a dispute. And Paul says in frustration, is no one wise enough to judge between them? Instead, they take it to court. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. You can see he's kind of salty about this. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. You do this to your brothers and sisters. Yikes. The people of Corinth, well, well they seem kind of awful. It's as if when they are faced with a situation, their first thought is how does this affect me? What do I want? What's going to work for me best? As though they were the center and everything else proceeds from their individual perspective. Now I want to be clear. Thinking about how a situation affects you or your family is not a bad thing. It's important information to have. But it's when we stop there, when we ask, how will this affect me, and then build a wall and gather our defenses and prepare for attack. That, that is not a helpful series of events. It was true for the church in Corinth, and it's true for us today. When we set in to defend our personal position without regard to those around us, that's when things fall apart. When we choose our own way over against serving our neighbor, when we choose our own way over against God's way, when our goal is to come out on top, when our personal needs and desires are the only thing we consider, we fall into this trap of trying to defend our position rather than participate in the community. I think this example of a lawsuit is especially instructive for us today. Sometimes it seems as though everything is a debate. So rather than listening to try to understand, we gather our facts. We do our research and we prepare. It can be exhausting. And it seems like it's not just big things anymore that cause disputes. Have you heard this before, like how to have a happy dinner party, right? You can talk about anything at the table except for religion and politics, right? You've heard that before. I don't think it's a good rule, judging from my particular line of work, but, but I've heard it before. But now it seems like everything, every little thing, is a mini-debate. Maybe everything just seems like religion and politics right now. But when everything is a mini-debate, we're tempted to categorize people into people who will agree with me, the good people, right? and the people who don't, 
those people. The stress and frustration of our everyday can sometimes be overwhelming. And rather than convincing someone or winning them over, every conversation can seem to drive a wedge and fracture. Seems like though we want to gather people around us, we seem to push them apart. It's as though we're viewing the world through clouded lenses, like, like we've lost sight of something important. It's like we've picked up old tools, tools that were great at helping us gain power or hold position. But what we need are the tools that build bridges and forge community. And so we hear, as a part of an embattled culture, we hear God speak through Paul. And God says this to the church, this, this is what some of you were. You were embattled and pummeled, overwhelmed and exhausted. You chose your own way over God's way. You fought to be right rather than fighting to be together. This is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified, which means set apart by God. You were justified or made right in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This, this is the reality. When we put ourselves at the center, when we choose our own way rather than seeking God's way, when our vision is clouded by our own perspective and desires, even then, even then, the reality is, we were washed. We were sanctified, set apart by God. We were justified, made right in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is, a, is accomplished, and it's not accomplished by our actions. It's accomplished by God. For us, this description of our present situation might actually sound familiar. We, we see it again in Ephesians 2. That's the text that is in your Bible app today, and it is also on the screen. As for you, that's you and me, us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, 
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Grace is that undeserved gift. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This has been accomplished. Because of what God has already done, the reality of the situation is that we belong to God. And it's hard to find an appropriate example. The certainty of it, its permanence, the inescapability of the situation. Because all of the examples that I could come up with seem to have some escape clause. So I've been searching for an example to help us lean into this, this situation, this tension that even when we get it wrong, the reality is we were washed, set apart, and made right by God, and that does not change. So this is my example. About two months ago, I had eye surgery to repair a partially detached retina. My doctors are amazing and I'm healing up well. And this is why, if you've noticed, I have one pupil that is giant and one that is normal. That is why. As a part of the surgery, they take all the fluid, it's kind of gross, they take all the fluid out of your eyeball and they replace it with a bubble of air. I know, super gross. And if you've had this surgery, you know that eventually the bubble goes down and your regular eye fluid comes back. And before long, everything is back the way it was before, but all attached and happy and healed. But after the surgery, at the beginning, for like a week, you get to spend that week staring at the floor. Everything. You are not supposed to lift your head up. You, your whole world is, so my whole world was that part of my carpet. My carpet is not very exciting. And there are weird things on it, like dirty socks. How does that happen? Oh, sorry. All the time looking down. Now, had the world around me changed at all? No, right? I was still loved by God, 
I was still cared for by friends and family. Their world maybe seemed a little different because I was a little bit whiny on some days. But my world, my, my reality was the same. What had changed? My perspective. This is how I had to spend every day. My perspective had changed, not the reality that I found myself in, not the world around me. Then, after like a week, I was allowed to return to the face-up world, which is what we began to call it. But it wasn't quick. It didn't solve everything. It took a while to get used to. Remember, nothing has changed. The world is just as it was the week before, just as it had been that whole time. But I still had a bubble in my eye. So I had no depth perception. So normal things like walking, especially outside, were frustrating and a little treacherous or from my family's perspective, a little bit comical, right? Curbs and stairs were suddenly difficult. Walking the dog. I couldn't really see the world around me as well, but the world had not changed. My perspective had. And I needed practice, and I needed help to get around. That's, that's my analogy. The reality of the situation is we belong to God. That is the way the world is around us. We belong to God. You were washed. You were set apart by God. You were made right in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This is a thing that God has done. And it's done. Now, that being the case, how do we live when our perspective is skewed, when our eyes can only see a few inches in front of us, when we only consider ourselves, when that happens in little and big ways, how we see clearly, how we make it through, is because the people of God stand close beside us. Okay, they stand six feet apart, but close beside us. And they love us, and they encourage us. Our brothers and sisters remind us of the reality that we belong to God. This community loves and cares for and encourages us. And when we raise our eyes and we can see the world around us a bit more clearly, the community of believers again stands close by and holds our hand and helps to lead us through the difficult times, helps us to weather the debates and the discouragements, stands beside us through frustration and hardship, 
And it's in the midst of this community that we each begin to see more clearly the reality that we belong to God, that we are washed and set apart by God, made right in his name. This is one of the things I love about St. John. Right? Because it's never, it's never super obvious when you are walking through it personally. And so if we are only left with our own judgment, if, if all of it was all or nothing, that would be really difficult. But here at St. John's, we know we don't have to all agree. We are different. We might look at the world differently. We might understand situations differently. And, and we know that that's okay. The reality that we belong to God, that is a defining characteristic of this community of faith. And so as each of us go through, we also stand together. This reality defines a piece of our character as a community. Yet, at the heart of the matter, this is also personal. This is something that each one of us will struggle with. Understanding this reality, living in light of the fact that we belong to God is a personal revelation, just as much as it is a characteristic of this community. So I'd like to invite you to try something with me. Remember, this is a promise, a truth that is spoken over you at your baptism. The reality that we live with every single day. So I've, I've made a little change. I've turned these second person pronouns into first person pronouns. And I'm going to join you. And I invite you to take a moment and speak these words out loud as your personal reminder. Please join me. I have been washed. I have been set apart by God. I have been made right in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, it's true. You've told us and we trust you. But sometimes it's hard to see. Let this reminder ring loudly in our ears. Let this truth sink deeply into our hearts. That we might reorient our eyes, that we might see clearly this reality, not only in our own day to day, but, but in the communities that we are a part of. I pray, Lord, that you will make us new, that you will remind us again and again that this work is done in us. And when we get it wrong and when we fall short, even then, you are with us. We belong to you. And for this, 
we are so grateful. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.